Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak here running through our summer scouting series with the most important position there is, the quarterback position. Yesterday, in case you missed the podcast, we were a little late getting yesterday's podcast up. You know, Memorial Day things and whatnot. For, so sue us. You know, whatever. Uh, we talked about Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert as the two quarterbacks that are really at the top of a lot of people's list going into the 2020 NFL draft season. Wow, it's weird to say that out loud because uh, we had said 2019 for so long. Today, we're moving on. We're talking about Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason. Brian Lewerke, and Jay Patterson. Ben, now we have six guys underneath our belt, just as a kind of like an overview. What do you think about this quarterback class? And then we'll kind of get into the specifics of each of these guys. I mean, it ain't hard to convince myself QB class is going to be good before I see all the final seasons. So, man, this QB class is going to be good. But I like there. I'll put it this way. There are three of these four quarterbacks where I can really talk myself into them taking the step forward that are necessary, oh, okay. being – being potential first rounders there's one spoil you know a little tease foreshadowing make sure you listen who <laughs> i i mean it would take a 180 in terms of what i've seen from his development to be like hey like we got ourselves a real NFL quarterback here which means he's undoubtedly the one who you know fast forward a year will go first out of these four um but yeah a lot a lot a lot of potential here a lot of really exciting stuff and i really think even our third our what's today wednesday our thursday guys there are some names in there I really like, too. Like More foreshadowing. Trevor, I'm just trying to make people click. That's yeah. all I'm trying to do. No, I, I hear you, and I appreciate it. Um, checks in the mail for getting people to click a little bit extra. Let's start off with the Georgia boys that we're talking about today. And we'll start out with Jake Fromm, just because he's still at Georgia. Jake Fromm is a guy who has now— You can just—yeah, Jake Fromm is a guy. That's what he's oh, just a okay. guy. All right, great. Uh, now, moving on to Jacob Eason. No, I'm just kidding. Jake Fromm is a guy who— made two five-star quarterbacks transfer from the University of Georgia. Okay, Jacob Eason was there, and they decided to go with Jake Fromm over Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason now transferred over to Washington. And Justin Fields was also at Georgia, and after one year being at Georgia, he transferred now. He's at Ohio State. So with that as the premise, you think, wow, this guy better be really freaking good. And... Georgia has had a lot of success in the SEC and at a national level. And I think Jake Fromm has been a facilitator. But mm-hmm. even though there were splash moments, I think, with throughout his tape, that's the best that I can kind of come up with with who he is. I think that Jake Fromm is way more of just a facilitator than people who are looking at him and looking at mainly – it's mainly people who are looking at George's accomplishments overall and how well they have done as a team and the fact that he has been their quarterback. I've got people talking to me about Jake Fromm being this surefire first-round pick and, and worth a guy who's a franchise quarterback. I don't think I see that, Ben. I, don't, I really don't. What do you think? Yeah, he made yeah he made two five stars transfer, and that's a tough sell for me. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. The only, the, only re- the only reason I can think that that happened is because... They believe that Fromm is more consistent in like the little areas, like the scripted stuff. And I think to that point that he is, which is fine for college, especially when you have a school like Georgia who has such dominant talent, both on, on both sides of the ball, honestly, on offense and defense. 
But in terms of like an NFL, that's not what I want you to hang your hat on to translate to the next level. Sure, I hear that. Like you have in Georgia an offense that wants to run the ball first, control the clock, and play defense. That's the way they want to win yeah. football games. And Fromm doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, remember Absolutely. this is remember this is a Kirby Smart football team. Kirby Smart yeah. came from under the Nick Saban tree. Okay, that's run the ball, play defense. That's what he wants. Right. And per DJ Marino, I remember this during the time of the Justin Fields potential transfer. Who's going to start? Who's not? Um, Joe was adamant the whole time you know from the guys he talks to in georgia from his sources kirby's head over heels for from kirby loves from and was I, never yeah. gonna give somebody else an opportunity over from listen if i'm a running offense and i see that young man justin fields out there with the ball in his hands that's not a hard decision for me uh if it were i fields would be, probably be the player i would try to keep on the field the thing with from is number one he has issues driving the ball outside the numbers yes which yes Yes. Which there are successful NFL quarterbacks. We, we forget this. Like, all like arm shake problems, he'll never make it. There are successful NFL quarterbacks who struggle to drive the ball outside of the numbers. Uh, and, and guys who have been very good in, like, you know, young careers. Jared Goff is a guy who comes to mind. Matt Ryan is another guy who I think if you go back to some Boston College film, you see that he does not like to throw outside of the numbers. There are good quarterbacks who just have regular arm strength. But Fromm has some arm strength issues. And when Fromm tries to hose it, when he puts his bodies into throws, his accuracy goes it's, out the wazoo. It's not he's there, got a nice, Yeah, he's got a nice quick release, and he's got a little snappy motion. Yep. He can throw in the move a little bit, but he does not have great arm strength. Yeah, I think that we have you a know, guy who facilitates nicely, places the ball pretty well, makes some good decisions, but the physical tools aren't super exciting, and then he doesn't test man coverage well at all. I mean, he's very, very risk-averse to the point where he's putting balls in uncatchable places because he's trying to shield them from defenders which like there are worse problems to have i.e throwing at defenders but he does not give his receivers a chance very often something i really lauded with justin herbert i think from misses in a big way yeah i think that what really stood out to me in what you're saying specifically with him pushing the ball down the field and really kind of struggling to be consistent is when he was throwing to Nicole hardman right and this is a four three guy like, Young man can fly. This kid can fly, okay? He's out here overthrowing Nicole Hardman. And that just te- and not like not like he's overthrowing him as in like this kid's got a cannon, he's overthrowing him at, at like the 60-yard mark. I'm talking about like he sees Nicole break press, get down the sideline, he's going to be open, tries to throw it, you know, 40, 45, 50 maybe yards down the field, he's trying to hit Hardman, and he's just overthrowing him, or it's to the right, or it's to the left, and it's like, dude, if you can't hit the faster man in stride, I understand the difficulty level is up, but even, especially if you are just overthrowing this guy, you don't have the consistent downfield accuracy that you need to, because that's one that you got to hit, and that was something that I watched Tampa Bay really struggled with the Buccaneers when they had Deshaun Jackson. And Jameis Winston just could not hit Deshaun Jackson. And that mm-hmm. that became a major problem in how they kind of ran their offense. Because then all of a sudden, you can't consistently throw it deep. So then the reason why I think that Kirby Smart likes Jake Fromm is because of what you said there. He's very clean. He's got a snappy motion. He's accurate and can be and can put the ball where he needs to within 20 yards. All of that stuff sets up his complement for the run game. He's not super risky in the things that he does. I, I just think that he's not challenging the he, he doesn't challenge the game plan all the time. He stays within it. He stays within the structure and he lets things work. But as we've seen Georgia go up against some of the better teams over the last two years, 
Right. Most of the time, you're going to need more, and especially in the NFL, you're going to need more. To what yeah, you were, to what you were saying before that there are some successful quarterbacks in the NFL that can have success beyond the numbers and you know things like that. Do you want to invest a first round pick in that guy though? Because right, I don't. You don't yeah, want to. You don't want to pick a guy with a first round pick already questioning what you have in them. That just you never want absolutely. that to be a thing. Yeah, I love that point. That's the thing. You're just not really going to have much of an explosive offense, I think, with Jake Fromm, from what his current product is, right? We're talking about his rookie season before he's even played his junior year. But uh, right now, the offense is just very explosive. They don't generate a lot of explosive passing plays. The one big circle for what I'd like to see you improve in 2019, which I want to do for all four of these guys, for me is uh, Fromm against the Blitz. You get a lot of hard play action, Back, uh, under center, back to the defense, hard play action, and you get rid of the ball quickly. And Fromm was fine there, rolling out a little bit, you know, dealing with some pressure. But when he had his eyes up at a shotgun, I thought he was poor identifying the blitz, and he panicked underneath it, invited a lot of sacks. And so Fromm against the blitz, I want to see him to get more cool, more collected, find your checkdowns, be under control. That would go a long way in improving him in his own role of that of kind of like a game manager and a facilitator. Jacob Beeson, let's talk about him next. What did you think? Now, his tape is tougher to kind of come by because it's basically just 2016 tape. That's all you have. Yes. Um, which, you know, by my count, is three years ago. So when I watch Jacob Eason, I think it's clear that Jacob Eason has a better arm than Jake Fromm. Um, yes. I think that that's pretty clear basically all around whenever you're watching him. The thing with, with Eason for me and – why he is much more of a potential guy than anything that I've certainly seen, not just because it's a couple years ago, but he just did not look really that comfortable, like at all, I thought. Um, when it came to, you know, pulling the trigger and split decisions, hitting tight windows, you know, doing things, you know, off of Whoa. instinct. Did you hear I, that thunder? I heard it. I heard like the rumblings at the end, but I was talking. Was it bit? Was it bad? Yeah, there was like a huge flash in here, and I was like, "Yo, is it about the thunder?" And then it did, and it was sick. All right, sorry, go ahead. If your power goes out and we don't, and, and we gotta like lose this podcast, I'm gonna be so mad. I'm not trying. Um, to, I'm not trying to start okay. over. Let's talk as fast as possible, which for me is like a legit, we can do this in, in five minutes. I don't so, know what you've got, but I'm so, a motor mouth. So, so I just, I'm saying, Eason has a lot of tools. He, he's a guy who's mm -hmm. big. He's got a big arm. I think he can get it down there. I think he has some velocity on his throws as well as getting it to the sidelines, those quote-unquote NFL throws, if you will. But the confidence looked shaken a lot from Eason. And it's funny that you brought up Jared Goff with when you were talking about Fromm. I see Jared Goff and Jacob Eason, and, and I think oh. the good and the bad. Uh, I think that they both have pretty – good arms i guess i think that goff i i think that goff has a little bit better of an arm than you're saying but confidence i i just didn't feel like exists naturally in both guys and that was a big reason why i, I wasn't a big goff fan and that was and that's including coming out i'm not just talking about as he went through struggles last year in the nfl when he was coming out i was not the biggest jared goff fan because i didn't see natural confidence in him i really didn't that's kind of how i looked at jacob Eason now Again, I don't want to be too hard on the kid because this is filmed from three years ago. This year will mean a lot to Jacob Eason, but he also played in the SEC on that film. He's going to be playing in the Pac-12 and extremely friendly environments. Both are in... we disparaging the Pac-12? No, 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 no. no. Listen, listen, right listen. Here? This is a West Coast kid who's coming back home. Gets to be as comfortable as possible in a lot of different ways. Washington should have always been the place where Eason ended up. 
Instead, he obviously goes to Georgia. So this is this this is literally like best case scenario for him to feel as comfortable as possible. That doesn't help me get over the fact that I think that he's not going to be comfortable if he's got to move somewhere else. That's kind of my thinking with it, and that's why, man, there are tools that you like with Jacob Eason's game, but oh man, I'm just, I feel like I'm unfortunately going to be hesitant on him for. I don't know, maybe all year in the whole draft process. What do you think about him? Yeah, so I agree with you. Kate can sling the pill. He can throw it around the yard a little bit, and that's some exciting stuff. I think of the four we watched, it probably has the best arm. Uh, Eason really, I think, had issues anticipating route breaks, uh, seeing uh, field vision, reading the defense, where uh, zone drops are closing to. He needed to see it open before he threw it. He was yes. unable, from a lot of the film I watched, to throw it open. Uh, and, and you can have a big arm, but if you need to see a guy break before you throw at him, well, no matter how fast you can throw it, defensive back's going to be closing, sideline's going to be closing. He, that guy's going to be too deep into his route. Uh, you know, I think you saw that on comebacks, curls, and outs. A lot of these ones where you want to hit guys in rhythm. Eason didn't have rhythm in his feet and was just waiting to see the receiver on cover. And that's a recipe for disaster. Now, he goes to Washington, redshirt a year, one-year starter. Eason's going to be how comfortable is he going to be in that offense if he had issues with anticipation in Georgia where he played for multiple years. So, like, you know, there, I have that big concern there. I will say, from reading Washington beats and reading stuff from camp, I mean— they are Easton's having a bad camp. Easton is apparently struggling in camp. They have a redshirt sophomore there, and Jake Hanner, Hanner, who's been there for a couple years, who apparently is outplaying him in camp. Mm. Now, obviously, like you alluded to, Easton was the golden child, right? He was the it was the the golden fleece, right? Like the fat lamb. Like them getting him was uh, big in the transfer market. I heard that thunder. For Washington. Yeah, it's another one. I'm, I'm about to get hit, but. Eason, uh, it's huge that they came in. They're going to give Eason, I think, a long leash because of what he means to the state because he's the five-star and he's a huge transfer. Man, I just and don't Washington, mm. listen, Washington won the Pac-12 last year with Jake Panic King Browning as their quarterback, and I can promise you Eason's a better player than he right. is. So it's not like they're going to be like putting themselves in too much danger. But, yeah, I agree with you. Eason is probably my third out of these four quarterbacks. I still think because of the tools, because we haven't seen him, like you said, playing about a year and a half since he got benched for from, there's a chance that we have a guy who just the, the new setting resets him and gives him a little bit more strength, a better coaching staff, maybe offensive guys getting in his ear, better quarterbacks coach, and he improves. So he's unknown, so I'm not going to write him off. But the lack of regular rhythm in pretty basic concepts is something that's hard to acquire and damning if you don't have it. And so Easton concerns me. Yeah, that's just, it, it's something I'm going to struggle with all year. And you telling me that he's struggling in camp, just, whoo, that does not help me. Um, Shea Patterson, let's get to him next. Shea Patterson started at Ole Miss, ends up transferring from Ole Miss then to Michigan, which is super weird because he went from like, basically like <laughs> the super air raid of the SEC, uh, into one of the most boring offenses in college football. And I thought that because I watched I watched Shea Patterson a little bit in high school and IMG, right? Yeah, so we played at IMG, which is I'm from Bradenton. So it was it was kind of easy to to pay attention to him when he was right there. And the kid could throw, man. The kid was the kid had moxie to him. He was he was really oh, confident. we got a moxie, folks. He, it took us two days of the 2020 <laughs> NFL draft to get a moxie. He's, I, I mean, he just played with so much confidence when he was in high school. I thought he played with a ton of confidence even when he was at Ole Miss. 
He makes the switch over to Michigan, and I went, here we go, okay? Now we're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting this Michigan defense. Uh, you're combining it with now a quarterback who's not afraid to throw the football, not afraid to do things out of structure. Let's get a little bit of an offensive balance, get a little crazy. Let's get Michigan back on the map. And instead, Shea Patterson just turned into some super boring quarterback under Michigan like we've seen every quarterback under Michigan since Jim Harbaugh got there. Or maybe since forever, honestly. So it was it, it's, it's weird watching Shea Patterson for me because this offense is clearly play action. Shea is a, is a threat with his legs. He makes basically one read. It's like a dump off to a tight end. It's something easy off a play action bootleg. Not a ton of stuff down the field, and even when it is down the field, he's not that accurate. It was I. Just, it's it's hard. It's hard to sell me on Shea Patterson on his current trajectory, and that really disappoints me because I was such a fan of what he could be if you really let the kid unleash when he was coming out of high school. I thought that Ole Miss was a great place for him there, and then obviously, kind of he he is where he is now at Michigan, and I, I don't I don't know how much he's going to get out of that that box there while he's there. So I, I don't even know how much I'm going to see Shea Patterson progress this year. What do you think about him? You ready, Trevor? Sure. Yeah. Future NFL wide receiver Shea Patterson. Okay. All right. Uh, so Listen. he's he. Listen. I mean, he is on the Trace McSorley career path. So here's the thing, and Shea is not super fast. Uh, and, no, and so not. probably not future NFL. He's quick. He's shifty. Uh, and, and he's really good with the ball in his hands. So future, his own future XFL quarterback, Shea Patterson. Right. And, and yeah, so the thing is like he can move and he can execute read concepts and everything like that. The, the young, the young man does not have accurate ball placement. Uh, and it's just something that you don't get all of a sudden in one year. I mean, he just misses too many easy throws. There's a lot of panic in his game inside of the pocket. Mechanically, when he's hurried, he's an absolute mess. I mean, there's absolutely arm strength. There's some really pretty touch throws. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, deep down the field, the guy is so inconsistent. And then short placement, even then, like, it's better, but it's not great. Uh, to me, Patterson's a guy who I look at his athletic ability and his lack of consistent just throwing. And I, I say to myself, I, I don't know. Some team's going to ask him I to just, try I'm it. Just, like I'm just mad because he's not going to get better. He's not going to get better at Michigan, I don't think. Yeah. Right, that's the thing. Like, like Harbaugh, I don't, yeah, I don't think like passing is going to get better. This is a run-first offense that's going to focus on Ugh. that. I think Patterson's going to pull the ball more this year than he did last year as they learn what to do with him. But he's this I year's Trace. He's this year's Trace McSorley. I'm not. I mean, like, Trace had one throw. I think Patterson is more than one throw, but I thought that Trace was better than most people did. But like, okay. not not like it should be an NFL starter or something. But like, I, I think there's a discrepancy between like how I saw Trace in college and how maybe you did, and so that's why the Shea and Trace thing lines up for me. But I get what you're no. saying. I do get what you're saying. I I feel it. And I yeah, I definitely understand the analogy. Like to me, if I'm going to consider Shea Patterson a regular NFL quarterback, I think the most important thing for him right now is going to be develop a quick game, develop the ability to deliver quick off platform on the move, so that you can kind of build a really super spready play action heavy offense around you. Like that's got to be the the theory there. Um, his play in the pocket's just bad. It's just bad right now. Brian Lewerke. Um I'll I'll say this about Brian Lewerke, who was my QB one going into last year. Uh, I I'll say that I I don't think that there is a quarterback in this class, Tua and Justin Herbert included, 
who make the kind of high degree difficulty touch and anticipation throws that I've seen Lewerke That's make. a really good way to say it. I also do not think there's a quarterback who makes dumbass decisions like Brian Lewerke does. They both of these That's things probably also absolutely good. Yep. exist, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world, dude. I cannot tell you over the four games of Lewerke that I watched over the last two days how many times this dude should have just taken the damn sack and like <laughs> tries to stupid ass Superman this thing and the ball like fu- if I'm. I gotta be pulling my hair out if I'm anybody on Michigan State's offensive coaching staff. It's just gotta drive me up the wall to see this guy make some of the anticipatory and touch throws that he does, and then just make the most asinine decisions the next play. It is so annoying, and I don't. You can like hear it in my voice because I want this dude to be good because I see that he has the intangibles, and not only the intangibles, they're they're so much the unteachable ones. These are such instinct kind of things that other quarterbacks just are not going to have. Some of them may never have it, no matter how talented they are, and yet he's just the simple decisions that he should make, he doesn't, and that's the biggest thing for me with Lewerke going into the season, is that like this guy's just got to stop being an idiot with the football. There you go. I think, yeah, and it's I'm, like you said, like like I don't even think Tua or Herbert makes the touch. No, throws, no. Right, exactly right. To me, like the, the phrase that I had coming in was, I think easily of these four and potentially of the six we've talked about, Lewerke's peaks are the highest. 100%, yeah. And if we, if we timeline it, when... Kyle got super stoked about Lewerke in 2018's offseason. And we kind of went through the film. And I remember I went, I was at Kyle's place before week one. Uh, and, and Michigan State played a little early against Utah State. They had like an earlier game than like the week one games. And I was chilling watching with Kyle. And every good Lewerke throw, Kyle was just like progressively more and more losing his mind. And I was watching and I'd seen a little bit of Lewerke. And I was like, man, I don't. Like, I'm just not sure he's really consistent, Kyle. And, like, we were, like, having this conversation. And, obviously, Lewerke had a really up and down, really rough 2018. Now, them sitting Lewerke is just a product of, like, we talked about, like, how Georgia wants to win. Michigan State could have won, like, more games if, like, six to three, if Lewerke didn't give opposing teams short fields by making really stupid plays, right? And so, like, like, when you put Lombardi in, like, I think that's just about, like, game management, more than is like, there's no way Lombardi was making the throws that Lewerke was what's making. His, what's his first name again? It's, Rocky. Yeah, f- Rocky Lombardi. I mean, this is the most quarterback name I've ever heard in my life. And I know, right? And you think he should be good, but Brian Lewerke, who sounds like a you know seat account an accountant, he's out there playing better ball. Lewerke. Do you, did, you, did you watch the Indiana game? Yes. The Indiana game was so dumb because at the beginning of the game, he looks like he's a first-round pick without a doubt. And then all of a sudden, he has like four turnovers. It wasn't four. It was like two. But it, it, they he he single-handedly let Indiana back into that game. I think Michigan State still won. But like, it's it, the good and the bad are both his fault. And the thing is, one is preventative. Like, he is doing all of the hard work to be the good. The throws that he make are sometimes stupid pretty. They're awesome. Yeah, oh, he had a he had a touchdown to a tight end that was like he was coming back to a backside read and there was pressure in his face and the tight end was moving opposite direction and Lorky hung that thing right where only tight end could get it. Unbelievable, Gorgeous dude. Against Indiana. And then wow, that was very loud. 
I'm going to die. Holy cow. You got your window open, dude? No. Maybe. I should check. The blinds are down, so I can't tell. Oh, no. There's no wind coming through, so there's no way. All right. Um, Godspeed. But the other part, the bad parts of Lewerke are it's just mental. And that's it's it's scary when you when you talk about it like that and when you talk about consistency because I don't think ability is the area where Lewerke is inconsistent. I think it's mentally. It's decision-making. Um, I think it's maybe overconfidence a little bit at times. And so, you know, I, I just really hope that he kind of comes into this new season with a new mindset almost. Uh, uh, right. More of a human and less, less of a Superman thing. Like, he thought he was invincible last year, I think. And perhaps benching him was a lesson for him because mm-hmm. he, you could tell that there were games and how he handled the football as carelessly as he did that Brian Lewerke thought he was invincible and then they bench him. So let's yeah. hope it, let's hope it helps him out because he's got some awesome talent, man. I really do think he does. Sure. Here's the thing. And the last thing on Lewerke, like the thing that I'll, I'll look for this year, which like you said, decision-making, one of the things I like to talk about is risk management. And like, you know, it's kind of a corollary to decision-making, but just at what point in the game are risky throws more worth it or what, and what downs and what context and what field positions are risky decisions more work it more worth it. Because Lewerke was willing to test double coverage on, you know, like second and two on the opponent's 23. Like, dude, just just eat it. Just like, and like yeah. you talked about, like, yeah. the stupidest sacks, just throw the ball away. Like, like on like, you know, like second and seven, you can't be taking sacks. Like third and seven is so much easier than third and 13. So, yes. And the, the thing that would scare me the most, thing I'm terrified of happening, is Lewerke gets hot, gets some momentum has a good season, and I'm stuck wondering, okay, is he only that quarterback when he's feeling himself, and I might draft him, and he's going to struggle with the NFL, and he's going to regress back to 2018's habits? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that, that would scares me the most as an evaluator. Like, if he gets really hot, and I just have to wonder, like, is this just all momentum? Is he just a total confidence swing guy? Because if that's the case, like, that's so scary to draft early. Yep, I agree. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we got another handful of quarterbacks that we're talking about. We're kind of going rapid fire. This is how, this is how every week's going to be. We're going to talk about the main guys, maybe the, the, the best two at the beginning of the week. Um, normally it'll start on a Monday. Day after, we'll get into maybe another two or three on that Wednesday. Normally we're going to then fire off our thoughts on a lot of different guys. Like tomorrow for quarterbacks, we got Cole McDonald, Sam Ellinger, KJ Costello, Felipe Franks, Joe Burrow, Nate Stanley. Um, there were a couple other that you were – Nathan Rourke, yeah, yeah, Steven Montez, Riley Neal. I do have to ask, though, why did we decide to put QB1 on Thursday? Who is QB1? Cole Sif McDonald. Okay. How dare you? Right. Listen, I got my five-play prospect out on Cole McDonald, so. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't. Okay, quick. Five-second aside. I saw that you published a piece on their 250-pound back. Are you kidding? Listen, That's awesome. The DraftNetwork.com, folks. You're getting draft content you can't find anywhere else. Hawaii has a 250-pound running back, and I wrote about him. Listen, this year, so per, so. firstly, I freaked out about that back uh, in week uh, week zero against Colorado State. I saw him, yeah. and I was like, there's literally no way. But this year, Purdue had a 245-pound back and like a 5'9", 175-pound back, and it was hilarious to watch them rotate because it's like listen we're gonna put our backup nickel back in the backfield on the next play our linebacker here we go what do you want <laughs> it's thunder and lightning literally thunder and lightning to the <laughs> umpteenth degree it was amazing 
So we got all kinds of quarterback talk coming up tomorrow, and then Fan Friday. We're gonna we got to combine it this week because it was a little bit of a short week. So at the beginning of Fan Friday, we're gonna give you our top fives of quarterbacks going into the season, and then we'll get into the Fan, fan Friday stuff. Normally, we'll be doing top fives and devote a whole show to it on Thursday. Um, but we got yeah, we got a lot to get to the rest of the week going to running back next week. So until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.